I am gobsmacked. Why? I was looking through, I'm trying to think, maybe I was on Facebook, and I saw someone post about a Rugrats reboot, something I had never heard about. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let me see when it comes out. It's already out. It's there already are five out. Five episodes on Paramount Plus. Of yep. course, I am. I have watched the first one now, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to watch this whole season. It's only five so far, but it's like computer animated. Yeah, it's CGI. It's like 3D. It's weird, <laughs> but you know, I guess that's just how animation goes nowadays. All of the babies are voiced by the same people, but the adults are like so different sounding. It's jarring as hell. (laughs) But the thing that made me like click over to it, the thing that I saw on Facebook was that Betty, Phil and Lil's mom, is now a single mother. I guess Howard's not in this and she's gay and they like address it in the first freaking episode. Oh, shit. Yeah. She, like, oh. talks about her ex-girlfriend. I mean, it's nothing huge, but it's, like, very much a canon thing now. Yeah, we all we all knew. I mean, it certainly wasn't a surprise, but yeah. she was married to a man <laughs> in the old show, so... I can't even picture her husband. I don't even remember what he looks like. I honestly would have assumed that she was a single mother to begin with. I don't remember her having a husband. Oh, no, yeah, she did. I'll have to look that up later. But that's cool. Well, what's also interesting about... Eddie now is that okay so the person that used to play Phil and Lil in the old show still plays Phil and Lil now but she also used to play Betty she doesn't anymore they got a queer actress to play Betty (laughs) there we go so it's not only uh representation in in front of the camera it's representation (laughs) like through the voice as well doing it right that's awesome I thought that was really cool. That made me very happy. I did hear about that. I have seen some clips of it. I know people aren't very happy with the idea. I probably would have had a similar reaction if I did not absolutely love All Grown Up. Oh, yeah. I remember that. They were babies for like 13 years, and then in less than a year, now they're like teenagers. (laughs) Uh, But that was I really liked that when I was younger, too, and I think I had sort of aged out of the Rugrats. I certainly have now. And I watched the whole first episode. I mean, it's not like maybe, maybe I'm just, it's just because, you know, I'm 20 something. It's not as, you know, exciting to me because this is clearly aimed at children, but uh, <laughs> it's certainly more enjoyable than half the shit that Briley makes me watch. What does Briley make you watch? I don't necessarily have a problem with some of the stuff. Like we used to watch Paw Patrol. She was in a Paw Patrol and Bubble Guppies for a little while. This is better than both of those. <laughs> Not hating on those, though. Uh, most recently, now she watches Henry Danger. Never even heard of that. Yeah, it's like a show about a kid superhero, like sidekick. He's a sidekick to this superhero, and it's really silly. But <laughs> it's probably as good as iCarly was. I don't know. Can we talk about iCarly? I I can't say that I was a diehard fan of iCarly, but I know someone who was. I don't know if they want to come out about that, so I won't explicitly say in case they want to keep that private. Oh, my God. Me. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about me? Oh, okay. Yes, yes I'm talking about absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, iCarly is my favorite Nickelodeon show of all time. 
Do you know they're rebooting it? Yeah, I know. But re- it doesn't have Sam in it. No, it doesn't have Sam. And Jennifer I know there's Curry some. Apparently, didn't have a very good time doing the original, and yeah. had a lot of like uh, behind the scenes issues with the producers. I think they didn't treat her very well, so she's not coming back, and I don't blame her. But well, it I mean, sucks. It sucks. It sucks that she's to not have coming her, back. Yeah, to not have her yeah. back. Yeah. Did you see the new like teaser trailer though? Oh no! There's a new, There's a new teaser, teaser trailer? trailer for it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! That's what I was getting at this whole time. I'm like, okay, I want to tell him about the new teaser trailer. I want to tell him. About Hold the new on, teaser trailer. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm gonna shit. <laughs> okay, first off, he said, "Damn it!" And they're drinking beer. They're adults now. I know, but like, this is <laughs> still like Nickelodeon. Like, that's that's awesome. Disney wouldn't let Lizzie McGuire do anything adult. I'm very excited about that. That looks amazing. I never did watch that show, but I did have the biggest crush on Freddy. I thought he was so fucking cute. Yeah, he was. He was uh, cute. Uh, he was cute. But I don't like straight. his haircut in this, but yeah. Doesn't he also have like facial hair? Kind of, Yes. I don't know where Gibby is. I don't even know if Gibby's on this show, but I saw a bunch of characters that I recognized, so that made me very happy. I hope Gibby's on the show. I guess I don't really know. It wasn't really clear to me what the new plot is going to be. Apparently, it's like someone taking over. I don't fucking know. This is not This is not about uh, old shows being revived. You don't know anything about iCarly. You're correct. I don't. Educate yourself. It's on Netflix, you bastard. <sighs> all right, let's talk about because it's been a fucking while. Because all we've been doing lately is recording these ginormous fucking episodes <laughs> with the We Explain <laughs> Movies ladies. So it's been a while since we've just said what we've watched. I think maybe it hasn't. Maybe it oh, doesn't fuck. seem like it to you guys. I forgot that we do that for quick takes now. Boy, do I have a list. We all know that I watched Palm Springs. I've seen it probably four times since that episode has come out. I love that movie so goddamn much. I watched The Mitchells versus The Machines. I think I might be a little bit too old for that movie. It kind of catered a lot toward the younger generations right now and the TikTok generations, and I, I couldn't really get it. It was fun, I guess, but I don't think it was for me. I made you watch Spaceballs. Do you want to talk about your thoughts on Spaceballs? Oh my god, we haven't talked about this shit since Spaceballs. The last quick take. I know. That was like There's nine so much. years ago. Are you sure? We also, also on my list is uh, the Snyder Cut. Um, We've definitely spoken about the Snyder Cut, haven't we? I don't I don't think we have. Not on the podcast. Or at least Man, not as a quick take. We don't take. remember anything, and I refuse to go back and listen to any of our episodes. <laughs> so, um... I think after that list, it's all Wizard of Oz stuff, and it, we've definitely covered all that. So I think the last thing really is the Snyder Cut, Spaceballs, and Mitchells vs. the Machines. Mitchells vs. the Machines, I have no idea what that is. It does not seem appealing to me. It's the new – you actually might like it. It's the new Sony animated movie. Nope. It's getting a lot of high praise. I think, I think I'm alone in thinking that it, it wasn't very – entertaining in my I don't opinion. think I've ever liked a Sony animated movie. Really? Because we have a whole podcast episode on Spider-Man multiverse. Oh, not, okay. Spider-verse. But like, that's different. That's an anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Give it a try. I, th- I think it's on Netflix. I'm pretty positive it's on Netflix. It's on some streaming that you own. I know that for sure. So you didn't um, pay for it? No, correct. Good. Try it. I think you might like it. Okay. And if you yeah. don't, then you know we can talk about it. And but. I'll kill you. <laughs> okay, and then Snyder Cut. I know we've talked about this at some point. I loved the Snyder Cut. I was super surprised that you also really loved the Snyder Cut. I really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly. Somebody's lighting fireworks off outside my house. Because they this is a momentous occasion that I'm actually saying that I enjoyed a DC Universe movie. Yeah. That's why. Spectacular. <laughs> it was amazing. And I know a lot of people say differently, but I am in the camp that it is my favorite DC Universe movie. I'd probably say the same. I mean, okay, so like Nolan's movies – Aside. Oh, yeah. I'm talking yeah, about yeah, like yeah. of the new camp. Talk to me about Spaceballs. I want to hear about your thoughts on Spaceballs so bad. Man, I've been trying for years to get you to yeah, watch this movie. Like, we I finally did. It was pretty much like uh, we gave you the remote and you just put it on. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess we're doing this. Uh, it was actually very funny. And it's, I yeah. was kind of waiting for you to do the thing that you normally do where it's like – Guys, we don't have to watch this. It's okay. I'll, I'll turn it off. He he does that all the time. Uh, but you didn't. You actually you were didn't. like, you're watching this damn movie. And I'm glad you did because I did laugh. I was surprised as well. I was expecting it to be fully like problematic and terrible. It's not that bad. It's like it still holds up. I really I still think it's a really fucking funny movie. Yeah, I don't even necessarily remember it being problematic. Maybe it, maybe it is. But um. <laughs> I don't I don't remember being like, oh god. But yeah. <laughs> that, it was a good one. I enjoyed it. Good. Awesome. Makes me happy. All right, my turn, because your movies literally <laughs> happened years ago. I cannot believe you haven't watched anything more recently. I'm catching up on Saw. Those are the movies that are on my list. Um and then the other movies I've logged are movies that we are we are doing for the podcast. So why didn't you mention any of the Saw movies? I don't because I've seen them before. I don't know. I feel like that was a slight. Sorry. We're actually about to watch Saw 6 together, which I'm very excited about because that's one of my absolute favorites. So let's hurry this shit up. <laughs> All right. I'm just kidding. Um, I watched – okay, so if it's really been that long, then I guess I watched The Sound of Metal. Ah, uh, okay. I really, really enjoyed that. That's a really sad movie. Like, I, it's not even that the tone of it is sad. The tone of it seems more hopeful, but it's just really sad what's happening to Razamit's character. Really wonderfully made. I, I just I just loved it. It was devastating, though. Going in Style, which is the uh, bank robbing movie with Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, and Alan Arkin. That was actually really funny and surprisingly not as predictable as I was expecting. The setup is very cut and paste from a lot of other movies. Guys have been working there for a long time. Suddenly something happens and their pensions are gone and they've got to resort to doing something else to get money. I for a very brief second heard pigeons. Our pigeons are gone. They released all of their pigeons and they have to get the pigeons back. I did say pigeons. Then I watched Army of the Dead. Uh, So Zack Snyder is two for two for me this year. He killed it. I love his zombie movies. He made Dawn of the Dead, and that was 
what introduced me to Zack Snyder, and I fucking loved that movie. And this movie feels just like it took up right where that one left off, like literally and in a literal sense. No, 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 no. I mean, they're I, for all I know, they're in two separate universes because um, this is specifically about an, a zombie outbreak that was contained within the borders of Las Vegas. There's an offer made to this guy to lead a crew in there and get some money before they nuke Las Vegas because that's really their only option. They're just going to have to destroy it. This sounds familiar. What does it sound like? It sounds I, – I can't without giving away spoilers. Never mind. And we, watched a sh- Tell me. we watched a show about it that ended up being very, very good until the very, very last episode. About nuking Las Vegas. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, So it's actually not like that, uh, but I understand the parallels for sure. Then uh, going through my letterbox, uh, the Friends Reunion came up, which I obviously, if I could have given it 15 stars, I would have. It was just amazing. I love that show. I was crying and laughing. And you'll be able to watch it when we finish. I think we're on season five now. Probably. Yeah. So very excited for you to watch five more seasons of the show and then the reunion because it's spectacular. And then I watched Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is actually a really fun movie. Like it's not reinventing the wheel, but I was genuinely concerned for these characters because the threat is not only some bad guys, but it's also fire. <laughs> so it's <laughs> very and, – and the fire looks so real. Oh, you gave that four stars. Yeah, it's very scary. Huh. That's a good one. And I just wanted to talk uh, about something that hasn't really happened before, but I would encourage everybody that's listening, if you are a filmmaker, please send us your movies. We are – Film fans, I'm a filmmaker. I would love to talk to you guys about your movies. This uh, filmmaker named Austin Allen James reached out to me and wanted to share a film with me that he had made during quarantine. It's called Who's With Me, and it's available on YouTube. I'll link it in the description. It's basically about a guy who wakes up under a mandated quarantine and doesn't really know why. Just that it's like not safe to go outside. He put this movie together for like next to nothing but i think it's actually really well shot and certainly very interesting it creatively explores someone dealing with isolation and how they would devolve as time passes like i don't want to give anything away but there are some extremely unique ways that this film keeps us entertained even though This movie is set in a single location with a single character, essentially. You really only see one individual on screen. How long is it? It's uh, 72 minutes long. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where did you find this? Like, I I know nothing about this. So he, he messaged me on Instagram, and it's been forever since I got back to him. I sort of, like, I've just been swamped with everything going on. So I uh, am sorry that it's taken me this long and I'm really hope that you enjoy it, Jordan. And I hope that you all will check it out. It's a very interesting film. And uh, Austin is definitely someone I'm going to pay attention to, especially next time, you know, if he can get a bigger budget. I think he's very talented. And I would like to see what he could do with a bigger budget. 
So he's done like he he did everything for this. So he's the writer, director, and one of the editors. Hmm. Very very cool, and I definitely think that you should give it a shot. I I absolutely will. I want to make it known that I don't usually check the Instagram. I would more often, but I am always afraid that like if I were to check messages, that takes away the notification, which means you won't be notified that there's something there. So I'm always just like, I'm just going to let you deal with, with all the Instagram stuff. So, um, Oh yeah. I don't mind. I like our Instagram, but yeah, that's, that's all I've watched. Let's get into what we most recently watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we are here for. Cause I watched this movie like less than an hour ago. <laughs> when was the first time you saw this movie? I think it was with you. It was in theaters, right? Yeah. You and I went to see it together. Right. I feel like I saw it in theaters maybe at least twice. There might have been a third one there. I don't quite remember. But watching it again, I know you mentioned something about like when I rated it. I think I only rated it three stars this time around. Yeah, because you were so excited about it. And then when you put in your letterbox review, you only did three stars and you didn't say why. So I was curious what happened. That's not to say that this is a bad movie by any means. I think that, A, the theater has a lot to do with it. Um, this whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, I really wish I could get, like, like the big theater experience. Absolutely. Because this music is really, really good, especially now that it's, like, remastered. It's, it's fantastic. Also, I think that watching it at home and kind of, you know, you learn things about and you see different things when you see a movie more than once. And I think watching it again turned this movie from me saying, oh, it's a great movie, you should go see it, to I think this movie is one of my guilty pleasures. I kind of realized that it's not perfect, but it is like a really fun experience. And I do enjoy my time when I watch it. I think the cast is great. I think the music is excellent. I love listening to the music. The music is excellent. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I love Taron. I think he did an absolutely fantastic job. Yeah, I know that Elton John wanted this to be more surreal and not to take itself too seriously. And obviously, you know, this film is doesn't always take place in reality. It's a jukebox musical, essentially. Yeah. But while this movie is definitely surreal, it's like very serious and sad. Yeah. And I'm not sure that the mixture of those things works as well on my 50 inch TV, like <laughs> as it did, you know, in the theaters. I mean, yeah. when we went and saw it, you're immersed in the music, the mm -hmm. awesome visuals. Yep. This is how I wish that Bohemian Rhapsody was made. Because really? think of how amazing some of the Queen videos are. I would have loved <laughs> yeah. to have seen that. I've seen Queen in concert, obviously not with Freddie Mercury, but like they're extremely quirky and visual. And I just would have loved to have seen that in this film. And I bring Bohemian Rhapsody up because this movie suffered from coming out after. right after Bohemian yep, Rhapsody. Yep. So this Agreed. movie on a $40 million budget, made $195 million worldwide. Now, the Bohemian Rhapsody, which was released just the previous year, made $903 million <laughs> worldwide on a $52 million budget. Now, I think it also has something to do with 
Queen's appeal worldwide. Yep. I do think that Elton John also has appeal worldwide, but I can't speak to how they measure up outside of Mm -hmm. the United States. They're both huge here. You know, they're both rock and roll icons. Another thing that (laughs) makes me compare these two films is they were literally directed by the same person. (laughs) Brian Singer, uh, who got completely canceled and he's done, his career is over. He apparently was extremely unprofessional on this set and had to be replaced with Dexter Fletcher. And Dexter Fletcher then turned around and also made this movie. So, again, what sucks is that Dexter Fletcher didn't get any love for Bohemian Rhapsody, and I don't feel like he got any respect from this one either. There was a lot of surprise when this movie came out. I think a lot of people were expecting something like Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, They were not expecting this really surreal musical. I know know that that really wasn't advertised at least i don't remember it it being no it was i mean there were definite parts but i think maybe you could you could assume that maybe it was not prevalent throughout the movie maybe yeah yeah but i was excited about that i thought that was really interesting and something that was pulling me in was the fact that they broke out into musical numbers and I just know that that was a common complaint. A lot of people were comparing it to Bohemian Rhapsody, thinking it was going to be something like that when it really wasn't. I know. I hate to just keep comparing it to Bohemian Rhapsody, but Bohemian Rhapsody is rated PG-13, and this movie is rated (laughs) R. And I know that Elton John was like really, really, really up against the wall when it came to producers telling him that this movie needs to be PG-13, and he was like, I didn't lead a PG-13 life. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I like I respect that. And uh, it's hard to to decide which one I like better, honestly. Like, I think they're both very good movies. I enjoy both of them. This movie actually has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes versus the 60% that Bohemian Rhapsody has. Wow. That actually is, surprises me. Wow. Yeah, it is a little surprising. Bohemian huh. Rhapsody actually got the more Oscar uh, nominations and wins. It got uh, nominated for five Oscars and won four of them. The only one it didn't win was Best Picture. It, it won for acting, sound mixing, film editing, which it completely did not deserve, and <laughs> sound editing. R- Rami Malek's performance is, is great, right? Yeah. But he doesn't sing, and right. I can't fault him for not having a voice like Freddie Mercury, like who the fuck does, you know? (laughs) I mean, Queen literally tours with someone who sounds nothing like Freddie Mercury now. Like Adam Lambert is fantastic, but he's not Freddie Mercury, you know? So finding someone that looked and sounded like Elton John, just how perfect was that? It was like Taron Egerton was born to play Elton John. And it is very strange and it almost doesn't even make sense that he <laughs> looks like a young Elton John and sounds like a young Elton John. Has such a beautiful voice. Talk about like major props to the makeup department because they really did a fantastic job with that. And it's funny. This is something that kind of came up in my research that this was not the first time that Taryn and Elton John were like introduced to each other. In Kingsman 2, I completely forgot about this. Yeah. Elton John has like a full part yeah. As, it's as himself, right? Yeah, it mm-hmm. has to be. 
um, which is I fucking great. love that movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, also in the movie Sing, the one where all the animals are doing like the yeah. singing competition, um, Taryn plays a character and he sings the song, I'm Still Standing. And so like I feel like these two – perfect yeah that's what closes this movie like right right and i know that um i know that elton john had some kind of say in who played him and it's no surprise that he picked taron but just a fun fact that uh tom hardy was considered for the role as was justin timberlake and i'm very glad they went with taron because i think he did such a bang-up job i can't see the movie being the same with the other two yeah he did fantastic i would be very interested to see because Okay, so I know that Tom Hardy was not only considered, he was attached. And then yeah. it, it was sat in development for too long and he, you know, is Tom Hardy and he had other projects. Right. So I don't know that I've ever heard Tom Hardy sing. I'm I'm curious to know if if he would have been able to sing or if they would have had to have dubbed him. I think from what I saw or from what I researched, they would have dubbed him much like they did in Bohemian Rhapsody. It would not have been him singing. So hearing uh, – I hate to keep talking about Bohemian Rhapsody because I know this is about Rocket Man, but they're similar in a lot of ways. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rami Malek, when he opens his mouth and sounds like Freddie Mercury, it is one of the most jarring things ever. It's like – it just doesn't make any sense. Like it, it's so weird. Like I know that Rami Malek can't make that noise, you know? Yeah. It's very jarring. <laughs> but this movie did win an Oscar. Bernie and Elton won the Oscar for Best Original Song. What song did they make for this? Um, Love Me Again. I don't remember what. Yeah, what, I don't when even think in it's the in the movie. Was it just not in the movie? It just wasn't. And maybe it was in the credits or something. That's cool they won an Oscar for it, though. It's very cool, but that was the year that Frozen 2's Into the Unknown didn't win that oh song. God. And I fucking love that song so much. As much as Let It Go? Yes. Mm. <laughs> How many times have I sent you me singing that? A lot. Oh, speaking of singing and Oscars and all that shit, uh, Taron Edgerton at least deserved a nomination for this movie. Did he not get one? No. He did get nominated for a BAFTA, which is like a British Oscar, and uh, he won the Golden Globe for it, but oh, okay. Golden Globes don't mean anything anymore, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that sucks. But, like, I, I still think he deserved his Golden Globe. <laughs> so some other stuff that I found in my research, uh, there was, like, a video that said, oh, like, what the things that were incorrect that the movie got wrong or something – uh, apparently he got both the name Elton and the name John from members of his uh, early band Bluesology. So that part in the beginning where he stole his bandmate's name, he also did that for another bandmate in the same band. So That was really weird that he was just like looked at the picture of the Beatles. Like, yeah. I feel like that's such a cliche when they, you look at something in a movie or a TV show and you're like, oh, my name is George. George Glass. <laughs> yeah, George Glass. Oh, my God. Totally. <laughs> totally. 
was trying to think of something, but yes, George Glass is perfect. It's I do want to say that I love that George Glass scene. Like, obviously, that movie is super campy and supposed to be like funny like that. I think that that's in the actual TV show, too. Oh, in the actual Brady Bunch TV show? Maybe I've seen that movie so many times I'm like replacing it in my mind, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure George Glass gets made up from her looking at a glass. I'm not a Brady Bunch expert. I, I know for sure. I haven't seen a single episode of the Brady Bunch show, and I know yeah. for sure it's in the movie. So if it was, it's either in both or just the movie. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay. I love both <laughs> of those movies, and I love the TV show, but it's been a while. But speaking about how it's sort of like a little bit tropey, I think that's what knocked it down a few pegs for me watching it at home. It seemed like it went by very quickly, and there were a lot of scenes that felt... The phrase that's in my head right now is spoon-fed, and the example is when he goes to see his dad before the concert, and he yeah. finds out that he has two boys, and he's like very happy, and he wants him to sign the record for his work buddy instead of him, and then he goes in the car, and he has this like really tearful moment, and I'm like, yes, that's sad. Yes, that's heartbreaking. Yes, I know that's the experience of like so many people, but... I get why you did that. I'm not sure I needed to be spoon fed that. I feel like that could have been constructed in a way that was a little bit. I, I think I wouldn't have dwelled so much on it. I mean, well, see, well, I get the intention. I understand that you really needed that gut punch of like, oh, after all of these years, after I begged and begged for a hug, you can go off and get remarried and then have these two boys and they're the love of your life. Like, why? What? Why was I different? Like, why didn't yeah. I deserve that? It could have just been, I don't know, done in a different way. It, it, it almost came off a little bit cheesy for me. And there were several instances in the movie that I kind of felt that same way. But yeah, going back to some of the other research that I saw and back to your conversation about how it did internationally, I did hear that it bounced between studios. A lot of people, a lot of studios were like, I don't, I don't want this. Like I, this is not something that I really want to produce. Uh, it was the first movie that was released by a major studio to have a gay sex scene. And I looked this up and it's like, this was not the first movie. I can think of several movies that came out before this that had a gay sex scene. Apparently, this is like the first one that like a major studio. I'm thinking like Brokeback Mountain did it. I know Kill Your Darlings did it, but apparently those aren't done by major studios. I don't know. Oh, uh, God, but yeah. but gay sex scenes are or like, I don't know if it's gay sex or if it's gay anything is banned in China. Do you know? I, th I don't think it's gay anything, but I definitely can imagine, yeah, that they wouldn't yeah. have liked the gay sex scene. <laughs> um, I was looking at this, and I fucking hate Rob Stark's character so much. <laughs> oh, Richard I talk Madden. about – yeah, talk about him. <laughs> we keep bringing it up, but talk about him in both because I know that, that – yeah, character is okay, so, also in Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Again, to bring up uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> that same character is not only in this movie played by Rob Stark, but he's played by Littlefinger in uh, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. And I think he's equally hated in both movies. He just doesn't does not seem like a nice guy at all. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean they must hate him. I've only seen Bohemian Rhapsody once, whereas this one I've seen. This is probably like my fourth or fifth time seeing this movie. Uh, so I don't remember a lot of it. But like, did he have like any kind of relationship connection with Freddie Mercury at all? Or was he just business? I'm trying to remember. I've only ever seen it once, too. I guess it doesn't really matter. I just think it would be interesting that like 
if he was messing with both of them. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, what's funny. Again, these movies directed by the same person. There was a plan at one point to have Rami Malek's Freddie Mercury make a cameo in this movie because they were friends. Ooh. Elton John and Freddie Mercury were? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine why they wouldn't be. That's a good point. Yeah, and they just I think it, they just wound up scrapping the idea and it's that's weird. I think maybe that's too interconnected. People might think that that was cheap, but I would have thought it was fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, also, uh Aiden Gillen who plays Littlefinger in Bohemian Rhapsody was in that fire movie that I was talking about. Oh, really? Um yeah, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is I don't <laughs> understand why it's called that. Maybe it's based on a book or something. But uh <laughs> Because that sounds like a book title, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's in that movie, and he's really fucking terrifying in that movie. <laughs> That's a good movie. Okay, continue. I don't think I've seen I don't think I've seen him in a role that he's not like the antagonist. I Yeah. I can't think of anything where I like that man. I don't know. He's very good. You didn't like Littlefinger even a little. Oh my god, no. Oh god, no, not at all. I think I liked him at points. He was always stirring up trouble, and any of his te- any of his good intentions had ulterior motives behind them. I did, oh no, I didn't yeah. like him at all. Oh, here's something cool. So uh, right after he sings for the first time at the Troubadour, the party that he goes to is at uh, what the Troubadour owner guy referred to as Mama Cass's. Mm-hmm. And so, well, Mama Cass is part of the band The Mamas and the Pampas, and they sing songs like California Dreamin' and 1230. Yeah. I fucking love that song. And that's <laughs> that's the song that was in – that I, I pointed out in the Bad Times episode that bad times, yeah. it's not only in Bad Times at the Oriel, but it's also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when yeah. you're referencing <laughs> the Manson family in various ways. Well, <laughs> this scene, again, is at Mama Cass's house, and – uh, as I've said on this podcast uh, before several times, I think, who frequented these parties? Apparently several members of the Manson family and Charles himself. That's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. I just thought that was kind of interesting that like, you know, Elton John also went to these parties. Yeah. Hmm. At least once. <laughs> Another thing that I found in those videos that are like what it got wrong, uh, and I know the reason behind this is because it very much is a jukebox musical. They were singing uh, songs that he hadn't even written yet or even composed like in the beginning of the movie. So things are shuffled a little bit, but apparently... Oh yeah, when he's a child and he sings yeah. Saturday, yeah. <laughs> uh, Crocodile Rock was not the song that he performed first at the Troubadour, but... It just wasn't? a little fun fact there. No, it was not. But I'm glad that they did that because then we wouldn't have gotten that iconic scene with everyone floating. Like that was really, really cool. Oh, yeah. That was so very cool. So very cool. Not only were these songs, you know, obviously out of order, but <laughs> he played Pinball Wizard. And I was like, oh, I happen to know that Pete Townsend <laughs> wrote Pinball Wizard <laughs> and performed it in the one of the greatest bands that ever existed, The Who. Yeah. And uh, apparently, I didn't realize this, but Elton John actually sang a version of this song for a movie called Tommy, which I've never even heard of. I had to look that up. I was like, I remember questioning it in the theater, and I guess I forgot about it. <laughs> and when it happened here, I was like, okay, I got to Google this because <laughs> why is he just singing this random song out of nowhere? That was cool. I was happy that um, he sang it as well because that's a great song, and it everybody song. should look up 
The Who, if you don't know who that is. This is funny that you bring this up because I was like, I don't remember you telling me about this, but I do know something about how that song was not originally Elton John's. And I realize at the escape room, we have a work playlist that we put music on to play in the lobby. Obviously it has to be like age appropriate and stuff, but someone put the pinball wizard on. And I guess someone in the escape room was like, Oh, who, who wrote this again? Who sang this? And I was like, Oh, it was Elton John. And someone else was like, no, this was the who. And I was like, it was Elton John. And they were like, no. And they showed me and uh, I'm glad you cleared that up. Thank you. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that it was cleared up for me too. <laughs> I didn't know either. Something I noticed, and you talked about it, it's like everything was really happening really fast. It almost felt like the music yeah. was more, and this is a, probably, some people could see this as a good thing, but this music was less about the spectacle of what was happening and more used to further the story quicker. Like obviously he aged during a song, but large periods of time, like relationships would devolve within a song. And it was like, yeah, I don't know if you're doing that on purpose because you think that it's a better way to utilize the fact that this is a jukebox musical and you've got to use this music. Or if the script is just not strong enough to actually flesh those things out in between the songs. Right. Right. I really don't know either way, but I mean, I guess it's up to the individual viewer to decide if they have a problem with this or not. Watch the damn movie. I think you guys should watch the movie. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, there was some things that were off, but the music and the way it was incorporated and the way that they were able to remaster it and make it fit within this story is a hell of a lot of fun. It reminded me of Across the Universe. I haven't seen that. This movie is very much in the vein of that movie. Okay, so it's a Beatles jukebox musical, and it makes even less sense than this one does. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, so this one does That's have funny. like a like a through line narrative, and so does that one. But that one is not about the Beatles. It's just a story that happens to. Oh my god, it's such a weird movie, but it's actually it, it was enjoyable. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Julie Taymor directed that, I think. She's the one that directed that failed Spider-Man play. A woman? Yeah. They let a woman direct a movie. I know. No, that's good. Well, I mean, it sucks for Spider-Man, but. <laughs> I've seen like behind the scenes stuff of that. I, I really wish that had worked out because I wanted to see that. Um, maybe not so much about this movie in particular, but in the spirit of pride and talking about Elton John, I have a small story that I wanted to use this opportunity to talk about. Oh, yeah, we should say happy Pride Month to everyone and say that this was it kind of influenced our decision to do this quick take. I don't know how many full episodes we're releasing this month, and I don't know if they <laughs> have anything to do with Pride or not. I'm not sure what our release schedule is. So, And also in honor of Pride, next week we're covering Jennifer's body. <laughs> Yo, are we? <laughs> so I brought it up as like, a joke, but me remembering that it's Pride Month and thinking that we talked about doing that movie next, I was like, I mean, that's like, that's kind of LGBT friendly if we think about it. We will in some way incorporate Jennifer's body into the next <laughs> however many weeks. Yes, that's awesome because there is nothing more gay rights than a uh, succubus demon. <laughs> So I want to take this opportunity to talk about a young boy named Ryan White. Have you heard 
anything about Orion White. No, and I asked you that, and you were like, well, I guess you'll find out. I'm like, oh, this is fun. I guess you'll find out. (laughs) Can't wait. Basically, Ryan White, he was a young boy, 13 years old, also a hemophiliac, which means that his blood basically had some trouble clotting properly. And after a blood transfusion, Ryan found himself diagnosed with HIV, again, 13 years old. Damn. Following this diagnosis led to horrible discrimination. His family had to fight tirelessly to let his school admit him back because after the school found out, they were like, sorry, you're expelled. You have HIV. You can't be here. What? Um, Yeah. Yep. Uh, It took a lawsuit and several appeals before they finally did let him back in. Uh, And not only did it take a full year for that to happen, it came with conditions. For example, he had to use a separate bathroom. He was bullied. He was called gay. Whether or not he was gay is neither here nor there. I think it's just like, it's very much a clear example of, of ignorance. Do you know when this happened? This was, uh, 84. Okay. This was in 84. People don't know anything about AIDS at this point. So, right. Right. Like it's, it's definitely ignorance, but I mean, we know so much more about AIDS and HIV now. We know that, you know, you don't get AIDS from using the same bathroom as someone right. with HIV. Right. But I mean, at the same time, they, it, it kind of, it went a lot deeper than just like, oh, we don't know anything about this. We want you to stay away. He was called gay. He was called, like he, they were, they claimed that this was a punishment of God as if he did something wrong. And even his church required his family to sit separately from everyone. And they were told to not use the bathroom after him. Like, imagine being 13, being expelled, expelled from school for this. Like, it's it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. So you're also dealing with HIV. <laughs> which, yes. <laughs> so, like, life's not – we're ending this on such a strong note. I hope something really good happens, or does he just I, die? I mean, he – he does die, but he doesn't just die. I'm, I'm getting okay. to that. <laughs> um, uh, but basically, yeah, his whole family and even the supporters of his family were harassed. They slashed his mom's tires. The house was egged several times. And the reporters who just wanted to speak to them were getting death threats. It was a big deal. There's a whole book about it. It's just, it's just not a fun time for this kid. Two years after he was diagnosed with uh, HIV, he was in a magazine article that caught Elton's eye. And Elton invited Ryan and his family to one of his concerts. He gave them a private tour at Disneyland. And he says, quote, I wanted to give him an adventure. Limos, planes, fancy hotels, a carefree time to take his mind off of his pain. I felt instantly comfortable with the Whites, instantly connected to Ryan. He lent Ryan's mother a down payment on a house and refused any kind of repayment. He paid for Ryan's sister's college tuition. And uh, Ryan did live to be 18. He died on April 8th, 1990, which was like a month before his graduation. But it was five years longer than the doctors were predicting, which was which was great, I guess. Um, Elton stayed with Ryan's family the week leading up to his death and much longer after. And while Ryan's family claimed Elton to be Ryan's guardian angel, Elton very much claims that they really helped him as well. Cause as all this was happening, he was deep into drugs, deep into addiction. Um, and it sort of, this gave him his push to maybe ask for help and maybe get better. 
But from all of this came a lot of change. Elton founded the Elton John AIDS Foundation in 92, and only a few months after Ryan's death, Congress passed the legislation bearing his name, the Ryan White Comprehensive AIDS Resources Emergency Act, which is the CARE Act. Uh, so good did come of this. There's, you know, anti-discriminatory laws. It even says at the end of this movie that Elton John has yeah. raised $450 million for AIDS research. Yep, yep. So I'm and, sure a lot of that was spurred on by his relationship with Ryan. That is, I mean, it's devastating, but like. Yeah. But at the same time, do I think they had time in this movie to feature any of his relationship with this child? No. Do I wish I would have seen it anyway? Yes. Can I think of any solutions as how they like as to how they would do it seamlessly? Probably not. But well, here's what I would recommend. I don't know that such a deep and devastating story. I'm not that not that Elton John's story isn't devastating, but like obviously he came out a very successful, happy guy. This story doesn't have as happy of an ending. I don't know that it fits in this particular story. However, I would love the Ryan White story. Have Elton John be a character in it. Guess who could freaking play him? <laughs> I came at it from the standpoint of, let me try and figure out how accurate this movie was. Oh, there's this Ryan White character that keeps popping up. Who is this kid? And apparently he was a much bigger part of Elton's life than, I guess, really the majority of Elton John fans even realize. Yeah. And I think, and what I found out a lot about was that Ryan's journey was a very, very huge push into Elton getting better himself. So yeah, it's a devastating story. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Like, Elton's not better at the end of this movie. This movie isn't necessarily about Elton getting better. We don't actually see that. That's true, yeah. Maybe if this story was more comprehensive over the course of his life, we would have. But again, you'd need several movies. Yeah, and I think this just kind of ties into the whole how things kind of went too fast. Like maybe if there was some rearranging, something could have happened with this. I'm just saying that like this movie isn't perfect. It is certainly very, very entertaining. I will still watch it again. I will still enjoy it again. I still constantly listen to the music because it's yeah. just great. Ooh, what's your favorite song on there? I've probably listened to Rocket Man the most. I think the the remastering of that one. Oh. Really? I mean, okay. The very first karaoke song that I've ever done in my entire life, someone forced me to do Take Me or Leave Me, a duet at like an RA event at my college one time. That was my oh, first wow. karaoke thing. But the only other karaoke thing I've been to was with you, and I was plastered drunk doing it. But do you remember the song that I did? I must have been plastered drunk too, because I... Wow. I don't even remember this. Where were we? Can I tell you how relieving that is? It was with Matt and Justin. It was the only time we've ever been to karaoke. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, when you were throwing up all night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. No, I don't remember what you did. What What was the song? I was sober. You were sober and you don't remember the song that I, I don't, sang? I, no, I don't. I remember a lot of other things about that night. Yeah, But I do not that's remember true. that. No, that's good because I think a lot of the people that we were with were drunk and I'm glad that people don't remember this, but it was Rocket Man. Like and it was very oh. much inspired by this movie. I was like, I can sing this. There's no like difficult notes or anything in this. I could do this no problem. I'm sure you did amazing. Anytime it comes in my car, I belt it. So it's the music is great. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And it's it's enough to make me want to watch again. Even if the movie's not perfect, it's still a really, really good time. What's your favorite song from this movie? 
uh, your song. I love that song so much. They're all great. Honky Cats, fun as fuck. Yeah, they're all great. But this particular one, oh my God, no, Tiny Dancer. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, I love that song. That song makes me cry. Yeah. I love that so much. Yep. There's a version uh, that Florence... Um, Pew. No, shit. <laughs> Florence and the Machine. Holy shit. I was so confident say? in that. I said pew. Oh my God, I almost said pew too. <laughs> I was so confident in myself with that one. 